0: you're listening to the beside the badge podcast with your host paul buckner veteran chaplain and friend to law enforcement hey guys and girls welcome to another episode of beside the badge i'm your host paul buckner let's get down to business so in this episode we are talking about when when officers take it too far or people people talk about what they feel like was excessive force in use by police officers and trust me it happens I want to talk about this because it's a real thing. It's a real thing, and there there are things we can do with training. But but I want to talk about I want to talk about the fact that these are human beings behind badges, and people people love to armchair quarterback. Uh, you know, before before they've never been in a bad situation like this ever, and they they intend to armchair quarterback the fact that they feel like the officer used excessive force. I am not going to say that does not happen. That officers don't ever use excessive force. I will never say that. But at the same time, there are definitely situations where people honestly don't understand what's going on, and and we have to talk about the amount of self control it takes to honor the badge. And I'm talking to people about honoring the badge. So I'm going to tell you a couple of stories, and uh, so that I can maybe help. This is this is directed at the general public the private citizen out there who's trying to understand what's happening here and so i want to talk about that for just a second but this is and this is something that the law enforcement officers are going to go amen this is absolutely things we deal with and again if you're in law enforcement or your blue family and you this resonates with you please uh like this subscribe to our podcast and share because i'm trying to educate the public And and there's a very real challenge here for folks in law enforcement. Um, There was recently a very bad situation where two people in my area uh, shot up meth and dropped acid and then attacked a police officer that had to arrest the one individual on warrants and actually tore his vest completely off of his body. Let me tell you, that takes doing. This was actually a, um, a carrier. And um, and not a not just a soft vest, but actually actually had some extra oomph to it to keep it on there. And they tore it completely off of him. He came out of it, and he he didn't come on come home on his shield. He came home with it. But he and he fought the good fight. And I'm very proud of this young man. He's a great guy. He's not that much younger than me, but I guess I can call him a young man. And uh, he's a great cop. He's the right kind of cop. This is the kind of thing where then there is a police officer from his department. Who is required to transport these people to jail and what I wish people understood is as there's an old saying that when the cuffs go on the cops come off and it's it's something that's easy to remember in the heat of the moment um, it's easier to remember in the heat of the moment but when the when the when the the cuffs go on the cops come off this is a very real thing because these are people that you care very deeply about. And I want you to imagine as I tell you these stories that really happened. These are true stories. And I've actually been there for most of them, Um, whether I was directly there or in the case of my friend being attacked. In the last story, I was, uh, the ambulance pulled up uh, to the hospital and right behind the ambulance pulled up the mayor. I deeply admire his dedication to his police force. And right behind that ambulance pulled up yours truly, because I love these men and women that I chaplain so um i want you to picture that that the people in these stories are your family that they are your best friends that they're your brother your sister your father your mother Uh, there's an old saying that there are three men that a man never wants to fight and that is a woman's father brother or lover well that is the kind of bond that forms you know among firefighters among ems among law enforcement and anyone who's been in combat and is a veteran understands the feeling of this person has my back and i've got you brother i've got you sister you are family to me so if you if you've ever been in the military you will understand what i'm saying so i'll start off with a story and, and i could tell you a dozen stories like this but a man's getting ready to go away to prison he knows he's getting away to go, ready to go away to prison he's already in handcuffs and there's something with certain people's mouths that once they're in handcuffs, they have the right to remain silent, but they do not have the ability. And this guy couldn't shut up. And I could tell you, I have ridden in more police cars with more departments than I could shake a stick at. And that is a common thing. Sometimes you get people that are quiet and sullen. Some people are quite chatty. Some people are, are pleasant. Some some drunks sing. Sometimes they throw up. Sometimes they start slamming their head into the cage, and I've actually seen officers who've picked up their cell phone and aimed it back there so that, uh, that the authorities over them could see that, this, that they didn't do this to this person. I have also seen them take off their body camera and point it back there if they're not lucky enough, fortunate enough in their department to have a camera pointing into the cage that these things happen. There's people that are very, very mentally unstable, very mentally ill. There are also people that are very high on drugs and that is a very similar problem. And I have witnessed people slamming their heads into the cage. Uh, it's absolutely crazy. So I'll tell you this story. And again, I could tell you it doesn't like it. This officer is, has arrested somebody who's going away to prison for a very long time. And the guy says, when I get out of prison, I'm gonna come find you. I'm gonna knock you out, I'm gonna tie you up, and I'm gonna rape and murder your wife and your kids in front of you. And when I'm done killing them, and after you've seen them die, I'm gonna kill you. Now, I was talking to a guy recently who was very anti-cop. And when he found out I was a police chaplain, he didn't have a kind word to say about law enforcement. And I listened to him and let him have his his say. And then I, I said, I want you to imagine, if you will, this scenario. And I watched his blood boil. I watched his eyes harden. I watched his shoulders come up. I watched arteries, you know, stick out of his of his body, veins and arteries stick out. And I watched him prepare to beat someone to death in that moment. And I said, he's like, I'd kill him. I'd beat him to death. And I said, please understand, this happens with law enforcement on the regular. And there are female officers that get told, oh, I'm going to think about you every day when I'm in prison and when I get out, I'm going to find you and rape you. Think about that. Now imagine that you're standing next to her and you love her like a sister. Think about that. This stuff happens on the regular. Now, am I condoning stuffing that guy in a trash can, beating the tar out of him, smacking his head off the side of the car? Nope. I'm not. Because officers have to honor the badge on their chest. They have to honor the oath to serve and protect, to do what they are required to do, and nothing more, even though you might want to. That's tough. I'm not condoning violence at that point, but these are things that people deal with. I've had people tell me, Uh, law enforcement officers tell me that they have caught people on their property sneaking around that they had arrested before that had a history of violence and an axe to grind. That's a good way to get dead, sadly, because you have a history of violence. You're on a police officer's property at night, either trying to break in or do something, whatever that is. That's a really good way to get hurt or worse. And these are things that police officers deal with. So I'm going to tell them myself a little bit. It's, it's easy to think that you've got the answer I've thought many times, cause I'm a pretty level headed guy and you know, in heck, I'm, I'm a chaplain, right? Um, I'm supposed to be the one that's level headed and, and the voice of reason. And, um, I had an experience and there's a young man that is like, one of several young men, but he's like my brother. And, we are very close and he's going to know who he is Uh, there are some there are some from my area that might listen to this and and they would know exactly who he is i would fight and die for this man and he knows it i have looked at him and told him and i mean it that i will bleed my last before you will fight alone i am the kind of chaplain and you'd have to understand where i'm at it's very rural there are not a lot of officers on duty in the cities there are not a lot of deputies on duty in the county I will be driving by the scene of something where somebody's got a a driver pulled over you can tell that they're running them. And I will hold up four fingers like, are you code four? And I will mouth the words, are you code four, meaning, are you okay? Are you good? And I'll get a nod like, yep, we're good. Or I'll get a, a head shake and a get over here. And they'll, they'll gesture for me to come over. And so I will, I will wheel around, pull in and I'll get out and I'll go, where do you want me brother? And they will point me over to where they want me. I have run two blocks to get to a friend of mine who'd been injured and was not supposed to be out running traffic and ended up getting pulled into a um, a grand theft auto situation and he was the only officer close enough and to his credit, um, he ended up being medically retired because of that injury. heck of a guy. I wish that we could uh, I wish that we could have gotten him a new leg because he was a darn good cop and he 's a darn good man. Um, I wish that we could have fixed that, but we couldn't. So I ran for two blocks from a store I was in to get to where his car was and to, to back him. And I'm still, I don't know, hundred, 120 feet out. And I yell blue on blue. And, uh, that, that way he hears me, hears my voice. And it means I'm a good guy. I don't advise doing this kind of thing. If you don't know these officers, if you don't know officers that you're around, um, if an officer truly needs help and they have nobody to back them, you have to make a judgment call. Um i will always go in if i know them for sure and if an officer's life is in danger i will always go in and i will always i will always be there to have their back um so i ran up and i yelled blue on blue to my friend and he looked back and he smiled because suddenly and he knows i can shoot and that that guy can shoot too he's extremely good at what he does when it comes to his ability to shoot very accurate and he points me over to the side to a position and i stand there and i see the guys inside the truck kind of like oh okay I'm that guy. I'm hands on. I'm a chaplain and I dearly love the Lord. And I dearly love these officers. And I would lay down my heart for them in a heartbeat. And that is no, that is no idle statement. And Anybody who knows me knows that that is true. So now I'm going to tell on myself. So I'm with the department. They get a call to a violent altercation in progress. Uh, there's two men that are high as a kite and they are beating on each other, biting each other, biting. Let me, hear, let, me, let me say that again for you, and the guys in the back, just in case you didn't hear me. They are biting each other with their teeth, and uh, they stop as law enforcement rolls in. We ended up getting a couple of city cops and a, and a mutual aid from another department, and I'm standing there watching the pros do their job. They know what they're doing, and they end up in a, in a physical altercation with this one guy. He takes a swing at the boss and my buddy uh, worked under him at the time and they end up grabbing the guy to to grapple with him and take him down they, they want to use just enough force to get him down and that's that this is like fighting livestock i i come from a rural area i raised cattle for 15 years and i have been body slammed into a barn by a young bull i have been knocked for a loop by a horse that didn't even mean to i've been given a severe concussion by a horse who headbutted me on accident this is like fighting livestock this guy had drank hard alcohol and and smoked meth and he at that moment wasn't feeling any pain now i guarantee you the next day he felt a lot of things but that day he did not feel anything and and by the way there's a lot of strength that these people get it's not it's not some hollywood thing i've been there i saw the taser fail to drop him tasers fail more often than than law enforcement wished they would and so they go to tase him it doesn't work um he's got a hold of one of their hands my friend's hand and he broke my friend's hand with his own hand reached out with his hand and crushed his fingers my friend's fingers and broke his hand and so i'm watching two cops now three trying to control this guy and not hurt him they're just trying to get him down get him in cuffs And then they're having to hurt him and it's not having any effect. The guy got his nose broken very severely. We all had blood all over us before it was over. Uh, Let's just say there was a lot of red Kool-Aid everywhere. And at that moment, I realized about the fourth time that they got him down and he was, he, they got him down three times and he was slinging people around like ragdolls, these officers around like ragdolls. And I know that in moments like these, they, there can be career enders that happen where, where a guy's career is, or a gal's career is over for good. But then there's also an opportunity where the bad guy could get a hold of a taser or the bad guy could get a hold of a gun. If they get a hold of a taser, they can incapacitate you long enough to get a knife off of you or a knife out of their pocket, a gun out of their pocket, or your gun. And that's a very bad thing. That's a very bad situation. And so he has a hold of two of my very good friends, two of my best friends. And the, the mutual aid officer is up on his back at one point, trying to get him back down on the ground. The guy, I don't I don't think the guy even knew he was there. And so I dropped down as they got him down the fourth time and I put him in a leg bar and I am not Kung Fu Panda, but I've had some martial arts training and I jammed my knee into the back of his knee and as his leg popped up, I grabbed his ankle and I actually hyperextended his knee. Now to explain this to the uninitiated, if you did this to me, I would be very content, very happy to wet my pants and surrender right there because this hurts like I can't even explain to you. And he felt it. I got above his pain threshold. He felt it and roars, "Let's go of both officers and turns on me. Now, fortunately, um, he was drunk as well as high and so his, his, he was telegraphing more than he meant to, and I, I was able to dodge a punch, and then he punched me right on top of the head, which was funny because I hear this really loud bonk sound, uh, which made me laugh, uh, which is, it's it's bad form. Bad form, no. It's not a good thing to laugh during a fight, but I did as he was taking swings at me because I thought that actually explains a lot. My head's hollow. you know. There's empty space in my brain. That explains a lot of things that have happened to me in life. But as this is happening, uh and I've gotten them uh freedom here. That's when the taser comes out. And I kind of got the story out of order there for just a moment. I apologize. But that's when the taser comes out. And the officer with a broken hand yells on the radio for backup and, and you should have heard that yell. I'll never forget it as long as I live. And there's now backup coming. They've pulled the goalies. It's on. Everybody's coming because they can tell something really, really bad has happened. And he was in excruciating pain. His fingers looked like they'd been through a blender. And so he grabs his taser, tases the guy. It didn't get the bite it needed, and it didn't take the guy down. It did not work in that moment. So... Um, he starts standing back up and he's pulling the taser prongs out of him. Anybody that knows, if you're in law enforcement, you know exactly what taser prongs look like, but they, it's like a little spear and then it has a little barb that comes back that reminds me of a harpoon. That's kind of what you're doing. You're, you're shooting somebody with these little, little little Lilliputton harpoons, if anybody's familiar with Gulliver's Travels. And then you're electrifying those and it short circuits the nerve system and they drop. Well the problem was it didn't get enough of a bite, so he wasn't getting the full delivery and he was higher than a kite. And so um, what ends up happening at that point is the the boss comes around the side, draws his taser, and we we're all getting enough room while the guy was occupied with me that they can deploy the second taser. And um, the second taser, in conjunction with the first one, got him down on the ground. And he did that whole dolphin, Aah! went down, you know, fish out of water thing. Anyone who's seen it knows exactly what I'm talking about. And they were able to get him in cuffs and he actually voluntarily surrendered. They explained to him that we'll keep fighting you, we'll keep tasing you until the rest of law enforcement gets here and then we will all put you in handcuffs. And that's one of the things that I wish people understood is when when really bad people, when evil people, when people that are intent on on beating people into the hospital... When bad men and bad women are doing bad things, they need to go to jail. When they are when they are uh, fleeing from the law because they molested a baby or they raped a, a, a child or whatever, they need to go to jail. And a lot of times they don't want to cooperate. A lot of times they don't just pull over and go, "Yeah, gee, you got me. You're right. I should probably totally surrender." Some of these people are like, "No," and some of them don't intend. be taken alive now most of the time they are which is a credit to our our men and women that that are behind these badges every day so now i'm going to get to the point where i'm only telling them myself i go to my friend and i've had some medical training i'm not an emt or a paramedic but i could probably help you keep the red kool-aid inside your torso long enough for them to get there and take over i've done it a couple of times at certain scenes and so here i am at this scene and as i'm at this scene Um, I'm checking my buddy for injuries and I'm checking him making sure he's not been stabbed or shot because believe it or not, in one of these altercations with all these things happening, that does happen and you don't even know it. And so, you know, did he have a knife out or something similar? I don't know. So I'm checking his arm, the inside of his arm. I loosen his vest so he can breathe and I get him sitting down on the hood of a vehicle and I'm I'm treating my friend and taking care of my friend. And so here's the part I'm not terribly proud of. Um, but, but God showed me just what I didn't know. And God showed me just what it is that these men and women who put on these uniforms every day, what they have to be capable of enduring. Because when I tell you that this man is like my brother, I mean it. I I don't know any other way to convey that. I mean it. And I've said this before. My wife isn't terribly fond of it when I say it, but I mean it. If you told me right now that my friend's life was in danger and that, that I would go and I would die, but he would live, I would leave now. I cannot explain to you that is the brotherhood and that is the love that these people have for each other. And that is the love that I have for them. Scripture is very clear, uh, greater love hath no man than that he would lay down his life for his friends. And I'm not saying that I'm great. I'm saying there's some pretty incredible people that put on badges every day to take care of us. And so here I am at the scene and this guy's on the ground spitting blood and vitriol. He's he's uh, uh, a lot of venom coming out of his mouth. And he's blankety-blank glad that he hurt that blankety-blank cop. And I stopped. There's an old song by Kenny Rogers that goes, you could have heard a pin drop when Tommy stopped and locked the door. Yeah, I did not have a good moment at that point. Um, And I'm the chaplain and I'm standing here and I was Hulk smash angry. And I thought, how dare you? and he was talking about getting out of jail and he was going to get even and he was talking about how he was going to hurt my friend and he was glad he hurt my friend already and you know he, he you know he's glad he hurt him and i stopped and in my head i saw me taking the top of my boot and kicking him flat across the face i mean my intention was to kick him in the face as hard as i could and his head come off i mean that's that was the anger that i felt and i turned around and i took one step now he's about 20 feet from me And then my brain caught up with my anger and I stopped and went, right, but that's a felony. And that's not only wrong, and I'm not only the chaplain, but I will have to get arrested by the very people I was just helping to, a moment ago, just helping. Um, The guy is no longer a threat. He's just running his mouth. And so, you know, base, you can't hurt me. I'm in handcuffs, neater, neater. That's what this guy's doing. And I stopped and went, oh, oh, this is what this feels like. Oh, I thought I knew. Oh, I thought I had a handle on this. Oh, I thought I had the self-control. I thought I knew how I would react. I stopped and I just kind of rocked forward in that position and I never got within 19 feet of the guy. And I'm looking at him and I'm boiling with anger. And I look and I see my friend's face and his boss's face and the, the, the mutual aid department officer's face. And I realize, they are experiencing everything I'm experiencing for them the hundredth the thousandth the ten thousandth time for me the first at the average person and I'm going to say picture that this is your loved one this is your child, this is your brother, your sister, your father, your mother. this is your best friend and someone has just hurt them your your, your loved one is in agony and then somebody goes, I'm blankety blank glad I hurt your friend, your brother, your sister, your father, your mother. Yeah, that's where I was at. And the Lord showed me and I was like, whoa, hey now, this is what this is like. Uh, yeah. And I can tell you that most of the time, nine times out of 10, you know, 95 times out of 100, the good guys show the restraint that they need to. And they don't act on it. The officer that had to drive the, the two people to jail who attacked his coworker, uh, that, uh, that, that had dropped acid and, and shot up meth, that officer, I sent him a text message. And I said, you know, be careful to hold your temper and honor your badge. And he sends me back. He, he did the love response to it and thanked me because sometimes we need a reminder to honor that badge and i say me in the sense that i'm awful close to it i'm very close to these men and women they are my family and i love them you know if you're a police officer and this resonates with you and you wish people in the general public the private citizenry out there the silent majority understood what you go through please please share this um if you haven't already go ahead and subscribe this is this is the real guts and bolts the bloody gooey mess that people deal with uh, that are behind the badge and the lord has definitely opened my eyes to the humanity of it um that man i'll go back briefly to there was a man that had um abducted his girlfriend uh for a weekend and beat her senseless i mentioned it in another podcast and he had beat her senseless and basically held her hostage for a weekend there were there was a call that came in Uh, about uh, sounds of violence coming from this house. And when the officer went to investigate, I saw him turn around and look at me, and I saw the look on his face, and I knew it was going to be bad. And when he entered, um, she was, just suffice it to say, she was in bad shape, and she was laying there in a pool of her own blood, tears, and urine. Think about that. And not only is that not sanitary, how humiliating and psychologically damaging, and he had thrown boiling hot water on her back, Again, he's headed to prison um, if he's not in prison already. But the amount of restraint that an officer has to show in that moment, because just about any red-blooded male and quite a few women would go, leave me alone with him for a few minutes, because I would like to have a very one-sided conversation with this piece of human filth. Now, I'm a firm believer. I'm a firm believer that anybody can give their life to the Lord and be redeemed. But you still owe a debt to society. You still owe a debt to the state. That is the kind of thing that the men and women behind the badge see on the regular. So I am right about time. I'm going to give a quick shout out to my sponsors, John Leo Riley with Gentle Response and Got Your Six Coffee. Check them both out. Follow them on social media. Good stuff. I'm wearing a shirt today that a friend of mine made for me. This is, uh, some of you may know me from the Church Safety Guys podcast and live broadcast. There's some groups on Facebook you should check out. Um, we there's some incredible things that are happening in church safety uh, to protect the flock, and I, I do some stuff over on that side half for many many years. So if you're if you're in church safety, uh, you know in the security side of things at your church, check that out. Guys, I'm going to pray and I'm going to get off here. So, dear dearly Father, I thank you for the opportunity to talk to the men and women behind the badge, to talk to the private citizens that need to understand all of the things that happen, the awful things that go on in this world, and the things that these men and women face. I ask that you would supernaturally protect our men and women that protect us every day. I lift them up to you, Lord God. I ask that you would bend the bullets around them to protect them supernaturally. And Lord God, if there's an ambush or an attack that's coming for them, that you would cause the bad guy to stumble to make themselves apparent so the good guys can prevail. I lift them up to you in the one name that makes it possible. In your son Jesus' name, amen. Guys, I will catch you next time. Lord bless you and keep you. Thank you for listening to the Beside the Badge podcast. Stay safe out there and be sure to subscribe and share this podcast.